0: Nicola Everett.
1: Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, October the 10th. And our top story today is about a devastating fire at an historic pub near Maidstone. Crews were called to the Dirty Habit on Upper Street in Hollingbourne just after nine last night. At its height, 12 fire engines, a height vehicle and a command support unit were at the scene. When nearby homes were also evacuated, our reporter Sean McPolin has been to the site today.
2: Well, there's still a heavy uh, fire service presence after a fire at the historic Dirty Habit pub. Um, There's currently multiple engines uh, lying on the road and the road has been cordoned off. Um some houses opposite the pub were evacuated last night um after the blaze took a hold and one woman living nearby, Glenda Dennett, um described the, the terrifying experience of seeing the, the pub go up in flames. It's believed that the flames started in the on the bottom floor and worked their way up and now the complete right side of the of the pub roof has been destroyed um and there's still some, some smouldering in that area and smoke um rising from it. Um, All the windows in the front have been completely smashed out. I think the majority was from the fire, but witnesses have said that um, the fire service did um, smash some of them as well, um, just to help get the the fire and the smoke um, out. Um there's a there's a little bit of damage to the to the left side of the pub as well, but it's um nowhere near as bad as the damage on the right side, which is completely destroyed.
1: Early this morning firefighters told people to avoid Upper Street itself along with Pilgrims Way and Hollingbourne Hill as they continued to battle the fire. Just after ten o'clock, they said three engines and a height vehicle remained at the scene. Thankfully, there are no reports of any injuries, but those surrounding roads were expected to stay closed for several hours. So, what do we know about this pub then? Well, Lucy joins me now. It's got quite a history, hasn't it, Lucy?
3: Yes, absolutely. The Dirty Habit actually sits on the Pilgrim's Way and dates back to the 11th century. It was used as an inn by monks on their way to Canterbury.
1: We're told it's now run by pub chain elite. Obviously, there's been an awful lot of reaction to
3: what's happened and quite a few people have have been posting on the pub's Facebook page. Lisa Margaret Birch said, That's the pub we went to the night Graham Birch asked me to marry him.
1: So sad to see such a piece of history destroyed. Gillian Smith added, always been one of my favourite places, so sad to read this. Jackie Hadaway said it's badly damaged and still burning, all the staff are safe. No one has been hurt. Such a shame as it's a historical building. Thanks Lucy. Well you can see pictures and video from the scene by heading to our story at Kent Online. And it's not the only pub fire to have happened over the past few days. Residents in Ramsgate say they heard an explosion at the Chilton Tavern, and video shows flames ripping through the building. The pub is no longer in use, and firefighters say they're not sure yet how it started. There were also two other fires in Thanet. A blaze at GB Pizza in Margate broke out in the early hours of the morning yesterday, and another at a play park behind Ramsgate Fire Station. And in Dartford Town Centre, a fire at a former pub early on Saturday is being treated as suspicious.
0: Kent Online News.
1: Investigations are continuing after three fatal crashes on roads in Kent over the weekend. A man in his 20s died after being hit by a lorry on the A228 in Snodland early on. Saturday morning. Two passengers, a man and woman also in their twenties, were killed when a car overturned on the A2 near the junction for the M25 at Dartford the same day. And yesterday, a 21 year old from Aylesham died when the car he was in collided with a railway bridge in Deal. Two other men were taken to hospital with serious injuries. The parents of an 11 year old girl who took her own life say they'll never understand why she did it. Alicia Tall was practicing gymnastics with her sister at a home in Norfleet shortly before she was found dead in May. She was due to start secondary school in September and has been described as a bright and lovely girl. The child's been injured after being hit by a falling Domino's pizza sign in Deal. The girl was treated by paramedics after it happened on Queen Street yesterday afternoon. A spokesman for the company says they're shocked and the branch will remain closed while an urgent investigation is carried out. Around 2,000 people have taken part in a protest against sewage pollution on the Kent coast part of Tankerton Beach was turned into a crime scene by SOS Whitstable. Campaigners are urging companies to do more to protect the sea. Southern Waters say they understand people's concerns and are working to reduce storm overflow releases. Now, a Chinese takeaway in Sittingbourne has been given a one-star hygiene rating after concerns were raised about food safety. Inspectors visited Quans in Sonora Fields back in August and said major improvements were needed to ensure food was safe to eat. Cleanliness was also an issue. We're told an investigation is ongoing and another inspection is due to take place next month. There's been an increase in the number of people waiting to be rehomed by local authorities in Kent. Now, in 2020, just under 18,000 people were on social housing waiting lists across the county. That's now gone up to more than 19,000. Canterbury has the biggest waiting list with almost 3,000 people. And average wait to get a property in the area is 20 months. There are concerns the rising cost of living means people can't afford to stay in private rented homes anymore. And the problem could only get worse. Well, I've been speaking to Chris Thomas, who's from the homelessness charity Porchlight.
4: Everyone is being hit by the cost of living crisis. Uh, the poorest people in our communities, uh, you know, they're being pushed to the brink of homelessness. So it's really, really concerning that um, there are long waiting lists. But we understand it, you know, we're working with with councils who who really want to do everything they can to help people, but um they're in a, a really difficult position as well because of everything that's happening.
1: So, Chris, is there any idea as to why we've seen quite an increase in, in the number of people on the waiting list?
4: Yeah, essentially, what's happened is uh, in the private rented sector, uh, the cost of renting has got so high that people, so many people, are really struggling to afford it now. You know, we hear every day from people who, I'm finding it's really, really difficult to to pay the rent to put food on the table to pay their energy bills. And when people can't cope, um, they'll make an application for for social housing. So what's happening is it's actually the private rented sector that's that's pushing people, into this position and making these waiting lists longer.
1: And I suppose seeing an increasing number of people on these waiting lists kind of adds to the the argument or the call for more affordable housing. We hear that quite a lot, don't we, when there are new developments. How much of that housing is going to be affordable for people?
4: Yeah, central government needs to step up. Um, They need to do something about the spiralling cost of rent. They need to make sure that people have access to more affordable housing, we need more social housing. Um, you know, porch light's doing what it can. Local councillors are doing what they can. But until the government starts addressing these underlying issues, the problem's is not going to go
5: away.
1: You mentioned there how you're getting calls from people on daily basis. Um, a porch light's seeing more and more people getting contact as we, we head into winter. We know gas prices and electricity prices have now gone up. I mean, there is increasing pressure, as you say, on an awful lot of people and families, isn't there, in Kent at the moment? Yeah,
4: people are really worried. So Porchlight helps people who are sleeping on the streets. We also help people who are in their homes at the moment, but are under threat of, of, of losing their home. Um, so obviously we're trying to help them, but there's only so much we can do. The situation has got so bad that uh, the government need to step in.
1: And I guess um, we've spoken before in the past, actually, as well, about the problem of hidden homeless, like people who are like sofa surfing or, or staying with family and perhaps what becomes overcrowded houses. I mean, a fair few of those could be on the social housing list, couldn't they? And and I guess when you're in that situation, it's not great mentally, is it, when you don't have your own space and maybe you haven't got your own things with you do you hear about those sorts of pressures as well
4: yeah people who are for example so for surfing say that it's an extremely stressful experience so you're staying um with someone that you know or maybe sometimes that you don't but uh, people often feel like they're imposing they don't really know how to get out of that situation and sometimes if you're staying with someone um the situation sort of strains that relationship so in the end you know people end up having to move on or, or, or they become you know they end up having to sleep on the streets in some cases we're very aware of, of people who are sleeping rough right now but if someone is sofa surfing you know kind of staying with a friend it's much more difficult for organizations like Porchlight to to be aware of them and, and to be able to help them
1: for anyone who is maybe in that situation and hasn't reached out to you guys for help what's the best thing for them to do the best number to call or the best website to visit
4: pick up the phone or or, or visit our website and get in contact uh, the sooner the better because you'll be able to talk to one of our advisors we can start exploring the help that's available and and we can get the ball rolling so we have a free helpline that people can call and that's 0800 567 7699 Or they can go to porchlight.org.uk.
1: You can see a breakdown of the figures for where you live by heading to the story at Kent Online. We tell you how many people are on the housing waiting list plus the average duration to wait for a property in that area.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group. With car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A
1: Kent charity has released a new film today to try and break the stigma around stillbirth and baby loss. Now this week is Baby Loss Awareness Week and the film called Deafening Silence 2 has been premiered in London ahead of being used to help train midwives across the country. It features mothers having a second child following the loss of a baby. David Ward is the founder of Abigail's Footsteps.
6: Say My Baby's Name is very much about that second part of the journey. Mum and dad have lost the baby. Mum and dad are fortunate enough to fall pregnant again. And they don't want to forget that first baby. And we, we encourage people to say baby's name. People who aren't in immediate family or who aren't quite sure of the relationship with the friends and family, don't know what to say. And we're trying to encourage them to say baby's name. Baby lived, baby existed even if it was only with mum for a short period of time, baby was there, so please say baby's name. Mum will always think of baby by name. Dad will think of baby by name. And, you know, I think people in this country are very wary of saying the wrong thing, would rather say nothing at all than perhaps even walk away rather than embrace. We're encouraging people to actually, you know, please support your friends and family if they have had a loss. Please spend time with them and don't be afraid to talk about baby. If mum doesn't want us to talk about baby, she'll say so. But don't be afraid to say baby's
3: name. This is the thing. People obviously understand how awful it must be to lose a child, but then they never think of the facts that, you know, the years to come, if you do want to try again um, and have a baby, it is something that people do tiptoe around. They don't really know how to go forward. So if there is someone and they don't want to say the wrong thing, obviously we still want to talk about the baby, like you said, they existed. What what would you say to the people that, you know, are unsure how to approach a mum and a dad or a family that have lost a baby in the past?
6: I think you just approach mum and dad in a very gentle and sensitive way. The deafening silence, of the first film, was very much about you know don't you know the fact that, you know you can get pregnant. Don't worry, you can always have another one. Phrases that have been heard in the you know in the in the in the, in the maternity world, totally inappropriate. Mum and dad don't want to hear that. You know that it's, it's that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear that you know you're there for them, you're supporting them, and you know you're going to do what you can to help them going forward. And it's those sorts of things that make the difference.
3: Of course. And to any parents out there that I can imagine that falling pregnant a second time and having another baby, there must be some sort of sense of guilt and feeling that maybe you're forgetting your first child. What would you say to parents that are in that position?
6: I, th- I think that from our own experiences, um, there are so many anniversaries. I mean, we don't think we don't you know stop thinking about Abigail anyway. But, you know, Christmas and, and summer holidays and first school photographs and all those things that many people go through with their own children. You know, those people that have suffered a loss will be thinking of that, of the, of the child they lost. So, you know, those 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 memories are always there anyway. Those triggers are always there. And, of course, a second baby or a third baby um, doesn't stop that happening. And, you know, mum and dad will always think about first baby, but they want to talk about second baby as well. So it's a very difficult situation to be in. It's very difficult for someone that's on the outside. But it's just to be a little bit sensitive, and a little bit mindful and... You know, I think before you speak, something I'm not very good at often, but just thinking about what you're saying before you say it, and just gently, gently with mum and dad, just you know, talk about how they are and, and how they're feeling, and you know what their hopes are.
3: Perfect. So, is that the kind of goal of this film? Is that why we you went ahead and done this? You want more people, both in the medical profession and just family friends, to understand how to to you know help um, a couple cope after a child. Yeah.
6: Very much, I, th- I think it's about raising awareness, and it's raising, you know, talking about a taboo subject and you know, saying my baby's name is very much the same as the deaf in silence. We want people to talk about this, you know, mum locked away in a house on a road with nobody contacting her isn't the, the way forward at all. You know, for friends and family to engage and to you know talk about the normal things, to you know, what does mum want to talk about? She might be working, she may not be working, but you know, there are things that she would like to talk about. Apart from baby as well, she likes that social interaction and just that knowing that people are there for them. So, I think I think there's a lot that can be done still.
1: David was speaking to art reporter Megan there while Abigail's footsteps were set up by David and his wife Jo after their daughter was still born in 2009. They've raised money for cold cots and bereavement suites in hospitals so parents can spend more time with their baby. And their first film, Deafening Silence, won a Gold Evcom for best drama and best charity film second prize at the Viewster International Film Festival and has currently had almost half a million views on YouTube. Now, prize money and support from the Burdett Trust for Nursing and the Collier Ferguson Charitable Trust have funded the follow-up film. Another two days of bus strikes in Kent are underway. Hundreds of Arriva drivers operating out of depots in Gillingham, Gravesend, Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells are walking out in a dispute over pay. It'll affect services today and tomorrow. More than 1,000 asylum seekers crossed the English Channel to Kent in small boats yesterday yesterday. It takes this year's total so far to nearly 34,700, that's 6,000 more than during the whole of last year. And it's the fourth time in seven weeks that more than 1,000 people have made the journey in just one day. Plans for a McDonald's on the Thanet Way between Faversham and Whitstable have been dropped. It was due to be built on a new business park in Dargate, but people living nearby weren't happy with the idea. Developers say it's a shame and they might revisit it in the future.
0: Kent Online reports.
1: Today is World Mental Health Awareness Day, and students in Kent are being encouraged to get involved. Figures show an estimated one in six people have experienced a common mental health problem in the past week. It's also thought there's been a 25% increase in anxiety and depression during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, Sonia Kendall is from the Lee Academies Trust, which runs secondary schools across the county. We have dedicated staff throughout all of our academies, such as mental health first aiders, wellbeing leads and SENCOs. Um, They do an amazing job to provide support or just be there to listen for students as and when needed and that was really needed during Covid and when the students came back into the academies. We have enrolled in the Healthy Minds programme, this supports academies to support students with programmes. Um, And that enhances mental health and well-being so we can help them to reach their full potential following things like COVID, but also just poor mental health in general. There's a last ditch bid to try and save a stable block at an army barracks in Folkestone from being demolished so houses can be built. Warhorse author Sir Michael Morpurgo is backing the bid to keep the building at Shorncliffe Garrison. Thousands of sick or wounded horses were treated there and campaigners have now offered to buy the building after a bid to have it listed failed. Plans for a cinema in Tentadon have been abandoned because no suitable locations could be found. It had been hoped the Pebbles building in the high street could be converted but costs spiralled. The Highbury Hall Community Centre was also considered but couldn't happen so the campaign has now been wound up. Takeaway drivers in Canterbury have told us they're facing abuse on a daily basis. One man claims to have been hit by cars four times while cycling around the city. They're also apparently facing abuse from restaurant staff. Deliveroo and Uber Eats both say safety is a top priority and they're working to support their staff. You can head to the Canterbury pages of Kent Online to read that story in full. Dozens of of derelict garages in part of Thanet is set to be demolished and replaced with affordable homes. The buildings on Tomlin Drive in Margate have been described as resembling a war zone and targeted by arsonists and vandals. While council bosses say pulling the garages down will improve the area, plans for properties there are yet to be approved.
6: Kent Online reports.
1: Now, as I'm sure you already know, there's a ferry and a train, but there could now be a new way of crossing the Channel to France. A series of trial journeys in a sail-powered catamaran have been taking place. It can take up to five hours to make the journey from Dover to Calais, but the man behind Saillink says it's a more sustainable way of travelling. Andrew Simons is the founder and has been speaking to our reporter, Jerry Warren.
5: What it has to be, what I wanted, is to provide something for particularly for foot passengers and people with bikes that really connects uh, convenient locations on each side of the channel so um, at the moment if you arrive to the coast uh, by train for example it's quite tricky to get then across uh, on a ferry there's also not that many ferries locations harbors doing it so but but on if you look at it on each side of the channel there's huge uh, public transport networks and then only a few connections between the two. So actually, uh, what I was wanting to do was try to try to really connect uh, the two transport networks um, in, in more ways. You know, connect between smaller harbours. But Of course, the key thing about it is people sail across. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they have all the enjoyments and benefits of the yes. sailing experience. Yeah, and that's uh, come about because uh, a lot of inspiration for that is taken from... Uh, sail cargo projects. I work quite closely with them, helping them on those projects. Uh, my background is a wooden boat builder and then environmental scientist. So I'm really in doing sailing. I'm just bringing everything together, uh, into, into one service. Uh, as I say, it's, it's pretty much designed to my own needs. Uh, but I think now there's an increasing number of people who also see that, uh, as being attractive to, to solve their own needs because um, at the moment, like I was saying, for foot passengers and people with bicycles there is no real solution geared to them, catering for them so that they can have an ocean experience. And what the? Um, you've had a mix of people already travel with you. Um, what has been the feedback from them? Oh, I've had fantastic feedback. People honestly saying that was the best trip they've ever made um, some passengers saying you need to put your prices up. Uh, you know, really great. I mean, I we're doing this in September, and actually we did that partly in order that we would have real, ex, you know, some sort of uh, honest experience of, of Dover Strait's weather. And We've been quite fortunate and had uh, often not enough wind, but we've had sometimes some really good wind, and passengers have just loved it. You know, there was two ladies joined me uh, Sheila and Julie and they were sat up on the front it was a, it wasn't a nice day like this it was miserable and they were up on the, near the near the mast there sitting for the, pretty much the whole trip they were getting wet and drenched the spray was coming over and then their smiles on their faces they were just having a great time
1: sounds interesting he's also hoping to try out a route from Ramsgate to Dunkirk in 2024 a man who started a bakery in his garage is getting ready to open his third shop in Kent Adam Pagot set up Grain and Hearth three years ago and already has sites in Whitstable and Margate employing around 20 people he's now refurbishing a 200 year old building in Faversham which is due to open next month. Two English heritage sites in Kent have been named among the best for autumn views. Walmer Castle near Dover and Down House in Orpington are both on the list. Gold viewing frames have been put up in the gardens of both properties, so you can make the most of them. Harry Potter actor Michael Gambon has been back to visit a zoo in Kent. The 81-year-old, who plays Dumbledore in the films, went to see the lemurs at the Fembel Inn in Who. He lives in the Mepham area and this is his fourth visit to the site. And Lewis Capaldi has made it four weeks at number one on the Kent Talk 40 with Forget Me. Hold Me Closer by Elton John and Britney Spears kept its place at number two. Ed Sheeran's new track Celestial has come into the chart at number three.
6: Kent Online Sports
1: football and it was a point for Gillingham at Crew Alexandra over the weekend. The Jules took the lead thanks to a Mikhail Mandron header after 12 minutes but the home side equalised just seven minutes later. We've been getting reaction from manager Neil Harris.
7: It's a good point. You know come to Crewe a team that are, that are okay uh, at a solid start so it's a, another point gained. Um, I think on balance of play around the box and, and areas we've got into and being in front as well but point we didn't get three
6: the lead of course through um,
7: Well, we'll clear it up shall we Mika Manjon's going to cl- claim the goal I know some have given it to Scott skip, but um striker's striker's goal yeah no definitely Mika's goal um, Lads Cash has been honest enough they he didn't touch it so uh, Mika's goal really, really, I'd have been pleased for, he, even for him to score but really pleased for Mika he's had, had three or four disallowed this season already so uh, it's nice for him to score and, and you know we started the game so well got ourselves in front could have had could have scored again before they did um disappointed at the goal you can see that the fellas been in the bottom corner from 20 yards but I think we could be slightly better in our positioning to, to stop that opportunity. Um, but then I thought after that we had the better chances first half as well. I don't really remember Glenn having to make a save um, at all over the 90 minutes. So um, yeah we was at our best when we kept the ball simple. When when we tried to complicate it, we give it away cheaply and we gave an the opportunity to penetrate us. Other than that, I uh, thought some really good stuff from us. Sean Williams I don't think you were on Thursday he didn't know if he'd even be part of the travelling party let alone start the game and, and, and complete 90 minutes but a really fantastic solid performance from your skipper in midfield Yeah, strong performance uh, he hasn't trained um, he's not the sort of player that needs to train that's what experience brings you he, just, he, he knows his body he knows the game um, he sprained his ankle on uh, Tuesday night um, That's why we, he was coming off at half time anyway Tuesday but we took him off um, because he couldn't carry on didn't train join the training group for the last couple of days um, but he, he travelled and he wanted to play and said he was fine and, and I trust my senior players, if they say they're fit, they're fit um, and I thought he was he was very good, a calm influence, um, what, what Sean does really well is he makes other people right and if people step out of position he covers their, the shape and, and use of the ball is very good of course, uh, really composed um, and he's it, probably a lesson to everybody that you can keep things simple sometimes and still play very well
1: And Gillingham welcome Colchester United to Priestfield in the EFL Trophy tomorrow night. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online Premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to Kentonline.co.uk
0: forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group